Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This week, Bamidbar. This week, Rabbi Mike Foyer discusses Bamidbar. Rabbi Mike Foyer is a member of the Pardes faculty. And now, Rabbi Mike Foyer. You know, I've always been taught that there are no wasted words in the Torah, that every thing which we have received means something, can teach us, in fact, very important principles. And I believe that the first verse of the book of Bamidbar is there to do just that. I believe it because I've been taught so by the Or HaChaim HaKadosh. So first, the verse. It says, on the first day of the second month in the second year following the exodus from the land of Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moshe in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting, saying, saying what? I don't even want to talk about what he said, because what I want to speak about is the frame for everything which comes afterwards. In many ways, it's the frame for the book of Bamidbar, and one could argue the frame for a life of walking with God, which is so much what this book of the wilderness is about. So the Or HaChaim HaKadosh is bothered by something seemingly simple in this verse. He's bothered by the fact that when the verse refers to time, it moves from day to month to year, from the specific to the general. Meaning the specific is contained within the general, right? The day exists within the year, not the year within the day. But when the verse speaks about space, it moves from, it's seemingly the general to the specific, the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting. It should, and therefore you have the the general first and then the specific. Right? The wilderness of Sinai is not in the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is in the wilderness of Sinai and therefore it should have been consistent. But he says this verse actually comes to tell us a fundamental principle about a life lived in relationship to God. Because in reality, the verse is consistent. Just as the day exists within the month, which exists within the year, so too the wilderness of Sinai exists within the tent of meeting. He says, you can see the source there fully on the source sheet. He says, actually, in a very intelligent fashion, the verse did use consistent measures. And it can be understood in the same way that the sages explain, Hine makom iti. God says to Moshe, if you recall back on, uh, when he was intervening to try to stay the wrath of the Lord after the sin of the golden calf, behold, there's a place with me. And the sages learn from this that, that the place of the Holy One is secondary to him, right? Or another phraseology of this is that Ein haolam mikomo ela hu mikomo shel olam, that God is actually the place of the world. God doesn't exist within the world. The world exists within God. And thus says the Orachayim, from that perspective, the tent of meeting is actually the encompassing measure and the desert is secondary to it. When Moshe is in the tent of meeting, he's with God. And therefore, on some level, everything is relative to him. Now, this may be a bit of an abstract principle. If you've never thought about it, it's hard to get your head around. But it's really just a question of how do we orient ourselves? I'll give you an example. Right? If I were back where I grew up, would I say that I was in North America? Was I in the state of Ohio? Was I in Cleveland? Was I simply where I grew up, my hometown? Was I in exile? Where am I defining myself in relationship to? Here in Israel, it's just as acute. Am I in Europe, Africa, Asia? Am I in the Middle East? Am I in the state of Israel, the land of Israel? Am I in Palestine? Right? What is the all-encompassing measure that allows me to orient where I actually stand? And the Or Haim is saying that the reason that the verse says that Moshe was in 
the wilderness of Sinai within the tent of meeting is that there's a fundamental orientation. I am with God. And wherever I encounter God, the whole world reorients around me. Thus, in the tent of meeting is the reference point to being in the wilderness of Sinai. And because when I know I'm with God, then I can map the rest of the world. In some way, this brings us back to that fundamental question posed at the early, early chapters of the book of Breshid, of Genesis, when God, after Adam's sin, attempts to sort of restart their relationship, and he calls out, Ayeka, where are you? Now, it sounds like a simple geographic question, but obviously that's not relevant to God. God knows where Adam is. It's an invitation for Adam to answer the question for himself. Adam's scared, and he hides. He's unable to give that answer. And it will take 20 more generations until we meet someone, Avraham, who's able to give the honest answer to the question, Ayeka, where are you? Because Avraham, of course, says, Hineni, here I am. Once again, it's a non-geographic answer to what's a non-geographic question. Just imagine if one of your kids or your friends, if you don't have any children, right, called you up, they were lost, and you said, where are you? And you said, I'm right here. You need to come find me. It seems ridiculous, but what it shows is that child or that person is orienting himself to their inner experience. Hineni is the real answer to Ayaka. And being in the tent of meeting is orienting oneself to the fact that I am with God, and I'm with God, then the whole world actually can reorient itself around me. I'm not in the wilderness of Sinai where the tent of meeting is located. I'm within the tent of meeting, and the wilderness of the Sinai is surrounding us. Now, that's an insight for life in general, and it takes a little bit to absorb, but it's also quite seasonal because, you know, the Ramban in Shemot 25.1 in Exodus tells us actually that the secret of the tabernacle, where Moshe was standing at the beginning of this verse, is that the glory of God, which dwell on Sinai, is also hidden within the tabernacle. He says that the glory was shown to them on Sinai was always with Am Yisrael in the Mishkan. And in many ways, this is what we're always trying to reproduce in all of our avoda, all of our divine service. After all, we call the synagogue, we call the, uh, the Beit Knesset Mishkan Ma'at, the little tabernacle. Whenever we go in there, we're trying to orient ourselves to a life where wherever I am, I'm with God. Now, this is true in general, but it's particularly true on Shavuot, the upcoming holiday. Because if the Mishkan, the tabernacle, was meant to hold that reference point in space to teach me that wherever I am, I'm with God, and from there I can figure out where I'm actually going, then Shavuot holds it in time, that whenever I am, I'm with God. You know, each year we go through this cycle of time and we touch that powerful moment that we're trying to stand at Sinai once again. It's one of the reasons that it's so important that we physically count from the moment of liberation at Pesach all the way up to Shavuot, to that moment of real freedom of the receiving of the Torah, of understanding what it is that we're meant to do in the world. If we were going to create a parallel to the way the Orachayim reads the opening line of Bamidbar, well then, instead of saying that Shavuot is one day of the year within the calendar, you would say that Shavuot is the fixed point around which all of Jewish time revolves. And maybe this is the reason that the sages teach in a couple of places that all of creation 
was tolev omed. It was conditional and waiting for Yom Hashishi, for the sixth day, the sixth of Sivan, they teach us, the day on which Am Yisrael would stand at Sinai and receive the Torah. Because it was around that center point that the time dimension of creation was meant to revolve. In the same way that our year, in many ways, revolves around that moment of the recreation of the temporal experience of standing in reference to God at Sinai. Just like the Orchaim teaches us that the physical experience of the Mishkan was the reference point of knowing that wherever I am, I'm with God. You absorbing this yet? Because there's one more dimension. There's a very interesting relationship between the Mishkan, Mount Sinai, and one more mountain, Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is one of the names, of course, for the Temple Mount. And the sages actually taught that Sinai itself was separated off from Mount Moriah, like you separate Chala, the, the sacred portion of the dough that's offered to the Kohen. Or as they say it in the Gemara and Ta'anit, they ask the name, what's the name? What's, they ask the question, what's the name? Or what's the meaning of the name? Har Moriah, Mount Moriah, and they give a lot of answers. One of them is Rabbi Levi Bar Chama and Rabbi Hanina said once they disagreed, and they once said that the name alludes to the mountain from which Hora'ah went out to the Jewish people. Instruction, and that itself is a debate. Was that the original instruction of Sinai, or was that the instruction of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish High Court that sat on the Temple Mount? And the other one said that it's the mountain from which fear went out, Morah to the idolaters, because now the Torah is in the world. And Rashi indeed says that one of the opinions means that Mount Moriah is Mount Sinai. Now, how could you have two mountains that were the same thing? Well, it's because there's another dimension in which God becomes a reference point. It's not just the wherever I am, I'm with God, that the opening line of a midbar is meant to teach us, right? Like the uh, Orachim HaKadosh says that God is the place of the world and the world is not God's place so that when I'm with God, I'm actually, the whole world is in reference to wherever I am. And it's not just the lesson of Shavuot, that whenever I am, if I'm living in reference to that moment of revelation of Sinai, then whenever I am, I'm with God. It's also a question of will. What is it that I want out of the world? And the link between Sinai and Mount Moriah is, I think, best explored through one last episode. If you look in Breshit, in chapter 28, 11, right? We remember way back when Yaakov, having had some, let's say, awkward family interactions, leaves his home in Beersheba and heads out for Haran to his uncle's house. And on the way, it says, He came upon a certain place and he stopped there for the Shemesh, right? Because the sun went down and he took from the rocks of Makom. And he put them under his head. And he slept in that place. Well, I was always taught that any verse which uses the same word more than once deserves attention. And if it uses it three times, it demands an answer. What is this word, makom? And it's already reminiscent of what the Orachim HaKadosh had to teach us. And Rashi tells us, right? It doesn't tell us what place. It just says, Bamakom in that place because the ba means instead of baby bahamakom in the place. The one that's mentioned elsewhere, who har Moriah, right? It is the Mount of Moriah, says Rashi, which we'd heard about 
previously with Avram he saw the place from afar so Rashi's telling us that this place where Yaakov arrived is actually what we today know as the Temple Mount. And the fact that it's using this word makom is enough to tie us into the Orachaim's original assertion that the the opening line of Bamidbar comes to teach us that wherever I am, I'm in reference to God. And I just want to keep the thread alive for you. And that the Ramban points out that since the whole Mishkan, the spatial container of God's glory, was meant to reproduce or, or at least continue the temporal experience of the revelation at Sinai, we've got three pieces tied together. But what is this third dimension which the Temple Mount comes to teach us? Well, the sages in the Gemara and Chulin in 91b actually have something fascinating to say about this moment that, that Yaakov that he happened upon this place. It says, right, and Yaakov went out from Beersheba and he went to Haran, and then it's written right afterwards, says the Gemara, and he encountered the place. So the Gemara explains that when Yaakov arrived at Haran, he said to himself, Gival, he spoke Yiddish, by the way, is it possible that I passed a place where my fathers prayed and I didn't pray there? And when he set his mind to return, the land contracted for him, right? And immediately he encountered the place. It's, it's a fascinating idea that Yaakov, according to the sages, went all the way from Beersheba to Haran, realized that he'd missed Hamakom. There was some point of reference that he had actually passed over. But as soon as Yahiv Date, as soon as he set his mind to return, space became irrelevant. And he was where he intended to be. By the way, the sages also have a number of drashot commentaries which speak about how the sun, when it says the Hashem Ba, the sun actually set specifically for him in that moment. Meaning this, what's known as kvitzat haderech, the contraction of the land, is the rabbinic expression of makom, of what it means to live in reference, of how time and space are actually bent to our third dimension, which is will. That when my will expresses the desire to reposition my life in reference to the divine as Yaakov's will expressed it in that moment, well then, time and space become irrelevant. Not because it's magic, but because ultimately, just like the opening line of the Midbar was meant to teach, and just like the Ramban tells us happened within that Mishkan, that God is the place of the world. And the consciousness we're meant to hold is wherever I am, I'm with the divine. And whenever I am, I am also with the divine. And by the way, on this Shavuot, when we're trying to stand at Sinai, just remember that whenever I am, I'm with God. But ultimately, we know that Sinai couldn't last. And even the Mishkan, which was meant to hold the glory of Sinai, was portable and therefore temporary. The the real vision is to plant that spiritual north star of Am Yisrael, that reference point in time, space, and will on Har Habayit, on the Temple Mount. You know, because we're always standing in reference to Sinai, but still the messianic vision, and this always bugs me. People talk about Yeridat Dorot, you may be familiar with it, this idea of the descent of generations, right? The further we get from Sinai, the longer ago revelation was, and therefore the lower spiritual state that we inhabit. And I think there is some reality to that. But don't forget, the further you get from Sinai, the closer we come to Messiah. And really, the messianic vision that can unite the whole world in time, space, and will 
has nothing to do with Sinai. Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. It's from Zion that Torah comes forth. And you should check out the second chapter of Isaiah and those first beautiful four lines when he says indeed that the mount of the Lord's house shall stand firm above the mountains and towering above the hills and all the nations will gaze with joy and they'll say, right? They'll say, Naleh. Let us all go up to Beit Elohei Yaakov, to the house of the God of Jacob, right? That he may instruct us in our ways and we will follow in his path. And that's why Kimitzion Tetze Torah. Then from Zion, the word of the, the Torah shall come forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And of course, then the people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations won't take up sword against nations and will never again know war. Let it be soon. Let it be now. And I want to bless us that wherever and whenever we find ourselves, that we should merit to live a life in reference to the divine, understanding that God is the place of the world and the world is not the place of God and that time and space are ultimately tools of the will and not its masters. And then, maybe then, when we're able to live in reference to that divine truth, we can all taste a bit of the wonder that filled Jacob, that filled Yaakov on that morning when he woke up from his dream and he declared, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. It's the gateway to heaven. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi Foyer. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardis from Jerusalem. 